chapter 15 as we approach the fairly close to the end of the book here, although there are a few messages left, and just three verses this morning, verses 14 through 16 of chapter 15 of the book of Romans. Ask when you find that section of scripture if you will stand in honor of our God. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Master, here we are once again before you. There's no one who loves us like you do. No one who knows what's best for us like you. You are truly the one who brings affirmation that's real. And I just pray this morning as we look at the power of affirmation, Father, that we will look to you, that you will speak to our hearts, and that we will leave here a people affirmed and who affirm. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Baby Camel was talking to her mom, and she said, Mama, why do we camels have such big feet? And Mama said, so that we can walk through those deep desert sands. And said, well, why do we have such long eyelashes, Mama? So, so when the sandstorms come, we can bat away the, the sand and be able to see and continue to walk through the desert. Why do we have these big humps on our backs that stick up? They're kind of ugly. said, well, honey, they store water so that we can go through long sections of the desert and and be able to keep moving, although we're thirsty, that we have something to drink. And said, well, Mama, so, so then why are we in a zoo? <laughs> Truth of the matter is, there are many who feel like that they're trapped. There are those who find themselves in situations where they're deeply lonely. Those who are in a prison, there are inmates who sit there and they have a lot of time to think, and they're lonely. They want to be around others, and that opportunity is not there anymore. There are those who are in a hospital, long-term patients. Those who, who would love to be able to be with other people and, 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 and to have that interaction, they're not able to. They're, they're parents of young children and little babies who feel trapped at times and because they're sleepy and not able to get enough sleep, not able to go many places because of the love that requires a little bit of restriction and, and limitation being able to watch those little ones. There are those who are in places we call retirement homes who would love to have a visitor and at times feel trapped. But this also can happen in the church. Where if we are not careful, we feel like we're isolated to this building. This place we call a sanctuary. And yes, it is a place set apart to worship God. In that sense, it's a place that's holy. But it's never meant to be the only place that God's people meet. <laughs> it's never meant to be the only place that God's people are active. 
You see, there are those in the church that, su- that suffer from isolation and insulation. And if we're not careful, we get to the point where what we see is the inside of our eyeballs instead of a world that needs Jesus. Man, people are starved and they're hungry for affirmation. Paul dedicates the last five chapters of the book of Romans to encouraging believers to stay engaged in a world that desperately needs hope and needs to hear the message of the gospel. He sees people who are broken, who are hurt, who need to hear about Christ. It says in Romans 12, verse 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Have that passion that comes from knowing that you've been affirmed by God through the act of the cross that his love towards you is complete, and that the result of that is that we too must affirm others and tell them about this great, awesome love. Look at uh, Romans 15, verse 7. Great verse. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, I love how that closes. He says, in order to bring praise to God, what happened? Jesus Christ left the throne of glory of heaven and he came and he walked the life here. He went to a cross and he died. All of it was to bring praise to God. And the result of that, guys, is that through his work, we're accepted. We're not rejects to a holy God because the holiness of Christ covers those of us who place our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. We're accepted. And as a result of that, he says, since you are accepted, He wants us to accept one another through Christ. He wants us to be affirming and to lift up others. Uh, Just an overview. I'll spend a lot of time on this. but uh, Verses 1 through 16 in uh, Romans 15. he, He speaks about affirmation to those in the church at Rome. In that particular church. And then in verses 17 through 29. Paul talks about himself and the affirmation that that he's received from God's people and from the Lord. And, and then verses 40 through 43 speaks about prayer requests. As he makes requests of, of I need God working and, and I need him to intervene. And, and then in 16, those first 16 verses of that chapter, there's a picture of a caring shepherd, of what it's like to be a loving pastor and shepherd. And then in verses 17 through 24, there are strong warnings. But today we're going to look at a view of affirmation within the body. This was in the Roman church, and we can certainly transfer this to our fellowship. Our call of affirmation, the affirmation he gives and the affirmation he wants to give through us to other people. Um, You see, up until now in the book of Romans, he writes to God's people in this church, Now there's a shift, and he writes about them. But they're not words of negativity or criticism. They're words of affirmation. Powerful words of affirmation. Uh, He begins a series of genuine compliments. Not idle flattery. But he really wants people to know how they've impacted. How there's Jesus and people in the church. And this is no small thing. There's some people that they'd love to be genuinely affirmed. Everything's, they feel like they're constantly being attacked. and They feel like they're constantly being criticized. 
and they just want somebody to, to affirm them. It's interesting. Cindy had, had told me this morning about her daughter, Lydia, who she had told a couple of friends of hers. She said, you know, I want a pet rabbit. And her friends go, ew, yuck, I hate rabbits. Why would anybody want a rabbit? And, and Lydia said, now wait a minute. When somebody says something they really like, you need to stop and you need to listen and don't attack them. Try to build them up. Sometimes we are slow to listen. Whereas he says in James 1.19, he says, My brothers, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We, we need to affirm instead, instead of be quick to attack. And, and as we look uh, at this section of Scripture, I want you to notice, as we get down here, 15, starting at verse 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. The picture here is that you're overflowing with goodness. Now, these are the same people in chapter 3. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. As he opened the chapter, he, he talked about that battle with sin. And he said, sin is not something everybody else has. Sin is something I have. It's my problem. And that God needs to fill me. So, uh, you know, it's not just something I see around me. It's something I see in me that needs to be dealt with. It's the same message that went to these same people. But then he comes back and he says, God has changed you guys. There is a goodness in you. There is a kindness in you. And I've been the recipient of it. And, you know, I can say that here in the time that Cindy and I have been here, there have been so many of you who've loved us. And you can't really put a price tag on that. Man, we need that. <laughs> we need that affirmation. We, we need those hugs, whether they're verbal or, or whether they're literal, uh, you know, with arms wrapped around you. But there's a, it's a blessing. He moves on here. And he, he goes from being full of goodness in the scripture here. He says, complete in knowledge. He's not saying you guys are know-it-alls. And, and, you know, that w when you got Jesus, you, you know, all knowledge was totally unlocked to you. That, that's not the point. I love in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, it, there's a scripture there. He says, uh, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. I've always thought, you know, the cheese puff, you know how there's just a lot of air in the cheese. You know, you know, just sheer knowledge can puff us up. But it's that love connected to the knowledge that builds us up. And he's talking here about a knowledge or an experience with Jesus Christ. Man, it's just totally changed your life. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the scriptures in the power of, of God's spirit it's transformed you. That's what he's talking about here. Um, as he talks about a, a, a knowledge. Uh, in Amos chapter 8 verse 11. Behold the days come saith the Lord. That I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread. Not a thirst for water. But of hearing the words of the Lord. People are looking for truth. People are starved for, for a message of hope. And it's not out there. It's important to um, encourage and say positive things. But what we need more than positive things is the gospel. We need to know that there's a Savior who meets a sinner right where he is. We're a mess. Amen? Okay. 
But isn't it great that we have a Savior that's bigger than our mess? That enters in and, and, and uh, loves us. James Montgomery Boyce, uh, he's written a lot of commentaries, a prolific writer. and Many preachers have used his commentaries to try to seek some kind of wisdom. You know, we hit some tough passages. <laughs> he's done a, a commentary on the book of Romans. In that commentary, he speaks about um, going to seminaries and talking to professors. And he said he went to this one seminary and uh, he said, What have you witnessed about seminary students in these last few years? And the head of that particular seminary said four things. And here's what he said. Uh, This is disconcerting. First, he said that each entering class knew less about the Bible than the previous one. And we're talking about future preachers. Future teachers and proclaimers of the scriptures. Each class knew less than the previous one. That's scary. Secondly... They seem swamped with their own personal problems and thinking mostly about themselves rather than thinking about growing in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ and how to share that. It's about me instead of thee. Third, they had a greater sense of their own personal rights. Instead of more worried about your mess, I'm more worried about mine and want to make sure you take care of me. And then lastly, they were sold out to and mostly uncritical of the surrounding culture. There was not a passion for Jesus to transform and change lives. Rather, it's just a matter of making sure that everybody's cuddled, caressed. Instead of brought face to face with the truth. You see, uh, Paul gave this admonition to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. He said, do your best to present yourself as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Man, there is a, there's a need for the, the scriptures and the power of the word to, to go out among us, to, to touch and to transform lives. That's, that's where our hope is. There's value in administration and, and, and church programs and, and social issues. And, uh, you know, I, I think again of my daughter Lydia. Cindy got to see her yesterday, but she said this past, uh, when she first got there, there was a group from Illinois that had an incredible social ministry, reaching out, helping people. She said, but what was really odd was at night when they came together to share and have their devotions, they never mentioned Jesus. And it just bugged her. It kind of bugs me too. Hey, it all goes together. The social ministry comes because we meet Jesus and we see people need help. It's more than just the help though. It's Him. That. That all, that, all, that all goes together. And so whereas there is value in, in, in these great plans and programs, what is most valuable is a relationship with Jesus Christ that's real, that's vibrant, that's alive, and, and that's what's needed. All right, um, end of verse 14, uh, he says, competent to instruct one another, to admonish one another. Uh, in the Amplified Bible, it says, competent to admonish and counsel and instruct one another also. It gives the idea of putting something in the mind. God empowers his people to be able to put something in another's mind to 
help them. It's the power of the scripture coming out of our lives that instructs, that admonishes other people. Um, it, a powerful strength. And the truth of the matter is, we often can't change till we see we have to change. Till you know there's a problem, you don't deal with a problem. And so the idea of uh, a worship service that never has any painful times, I'll just be quite frank about it. Sometimes that's just not a worship service. Sometimes when you deal with the scripture, God just hits you right between the eyes. You know, Hebrews 4.12, it says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even a dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And uh, that picture of a sword uh, uh, is a picture of a small knife. And I remember one guy saying, It's like, they got you like this with a blade up to your throat. No, no getting away. That's what God does through the, through the power of his words. living and active, man. It, 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 it grabs a hold. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Sometimes loving somebody means you've got to tell them the truth. And I remember years ago hearing John MacArthur say, uh, he was talking to a guy and a guy was saying, I just can't tell him that. It's a tough thing. And he said, you know what your problem is? He said, what? He said, your problem is you love yourself more than that person. What you're really worried about is that you're going to get rejected. You're not really thinking about the person. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, I've talked about him a lot, Buddy Morell, and uh, the short time that we were in New York, and he used to always say, he was a character, he said, I can say anything I want to anybody as long as they know. I love them. Picture here is very clear, man. You, when you have a relationship that's honest, that's real, that's connected to Jesus, you have an audience. You have an open ear to speak and to share. Uh, Howard Hendricks, for many years a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, he shares about a student that came in who was obviously very gifted. Uh, God had, had given him... a just such opportunity, but the truth of the matter is, he was just kind of coasting along, <laughs> barely getting grades to pass, uh, just trying to pass through on personality. And and so uh, Howard Hendricks said that he approached him, and he said, uh, I'm really disappointed in you, brother. And he said, really? Why? His eyes widened and blinked. Well, I could be wrong, but my evaluation of you is this. You are a 10-cylinder man operating on about three cylinders and comparing yourself with others who operate on two cylinders. And he said, the guy stormed out of his office. You don't understand me. But he said, years later, he got a letter from him. He said, you were right. I, your words, I couldn't get away from them. And God did a work in me. And I've been able to see him do some great things but first he had to talk to me and he used you and Hendrix goes on and he writes and he says you know part of the reason I was able to do that was I wasn't that much different than that guy he said when I was in the seminary he said my professor called me in and said Howard shut up you never quit talking and you always have an answer and you're not always right you need to learn to shut up and he said he got mad, he stormed out of the room. And then God spoke to him and said, Howard, he's right. 
Shut up. As God was able to get a hold of his heart and get a hold of his life. You know, so often we see people sinking. We see people trapped. We see people going down a wrong turn and they're broken. And what do we say? We say, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or I don't want to do something wrong. What are we really saying? Are we really saying I love myself more than I do them? Are we willing ever to take that risk? Now, it needs to come out of relationship, and it it's also comes out of love. I'm not saying you go in there and give them 45 scriptures of why they're such a deep, dark sinner, and, you know, you're going to friend. But when you love them, you go, and it's something you do. If you do it right, nobody else knows about it but God. It's not to be public. I always heard praise in public, rebuke in private, and I think that's really true. It's where you go to that person alone, and you just say, man, you... You're screwed up. <laughs> and, and we need to talk about this. They might storm out, but I'd rather them storm out now with hopes of turning around and find out later their lives are just a disaster. Uh, anyway, uh, move on here. Next uh, word that we see is the word that speaks about being a priest. Notice here in our text, uh, he says, I've written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of God's, of the grace of God gave me. (laughs) Paul says, man, I got the grace. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with a priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. The role of a priest was to be the go-between, to help people get into God's presence, to be able to see God and for there to be a relationship. So the role of a priest was this connector with God and the people. And he, he was saying the call of affirmation is that we need to leak Jesus. We, we need to live and, 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 and our words need to uplift and exalt Jesus Christ so that we are as a priest so that others are able to see God and, and be able to grab into that blessing and connection that comes in a vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, that's my heartbeat to reach out to the Gentiles, those who have not heard the message of hope, and, and to be a priest. And it is also the call, guys, that he gives to each of us. He doesn't call us to be isolated and insulated. He calls us to look beyond ourselves. Turn me to Matthew chapter 9. Um, great section of scripture. Jesus, uh, there's so many. As he speaks, he sees. He doesn't see the crowd only. He sees the faces. He sees the people in the crowd. Uh, Notice here, verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds... said he saw beyond the crowds he saw the people in the crowd he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw beyond what you first see. That's the call of the priest. To, to have that compassion. Because people are harassed and helpless. They need Jesus. That, that, that's the call here. That's what he's talking about. And it's beautiful as he closes it. Then he said to his disciples. This is back in Matthew 9. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore. To send out workers into his harvest field. And that's what Paul's talking about here. God, help me see people as you do, that they need you, and that they're more than just a pain in my back end. <laughs> you died for them. Uh, that's his heart. One last one here, and I'm wrapping it up. To be deeply dependent, commanded to be deeply dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Notice how he ends our section of Scripture. So the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The call is that we're in tune with Jesus. That the music we march to is not our own. It is the beautiful music of Christ that guides us and leads us, that takes us through the streets, takes us where we need to go. You see, basically, what we do, it comes from one of two places. It's either in my strength or it's in God's strength. It's kind of pitiful when you talk about my strength. <laughs> but it's incredible when we talk about God. His call is be fully dependent, filled with the Spirit of God, so that our lives leak Jesus, so that people don't miss Him. Isaiah 55, 11 um, so in my word that goes out from my mouth, that God's speaking, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. As we close, uh, let's kind of wrap this up with some questions. Think about your life. Are you becoming full of goodness? Are you a person that... Uh, People say he loves me. Secondly, um, are you aware of the world around you? Do you have a passion for other people? Or do you see yourself as a victim instead of a servant? Are you faithful to instruct and admonish, to tell the truth in love? So that they might find healing. And then lastly. Do you lean. Consciously. <laughs> upon the spirit of God. Do you wake up in the morning. And say God help me today. Uh, Lord. Tired. Weak. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. And I hadn't even gotten out of bed yet. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 24, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? 
We need God's help, don't we? Let's pray. Father, here we are in your presence. Um, We need you, Lord. Move among us an altar that's open. What do you want of us, Lord? Um, Move among us uh, if we need to make a decision right where we stand as we prepare to sing together. Or to come before your people to share a word of testimony of what you want to do, Lord. We just want to hear from you, God. We need to understand we are affirmed by the work of the cross. And that must lead us to affirm others. Teach us, Master. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.